2: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Big surprise. Tim May Podcast. And another big surprise. Awesome. Ward joins me again. Awesome. Welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Or welcome back on a regular basis to the Tim May Podcast.
4: Always a pleasure to be here, Uh, especially if you can squeeze me in when you've got a guest list like you've got lined up for this week.
2: Yeah, i tell you what, uh, you know, it's the Buckeyes make the playoff. Some big news happened over the weekend, not the least of which was Ohio State being invited to its, uh, what, fourth college football playoff appearance. Uh, And uh, then on top of that, Trey Sermon went off. Ohio State was having trouble with his passing game, to say the least with Chris Olave missing, et cetera, and, uh, and uh, to the rescue comes Trey Sermon in the Ohio State offensive line. Trey Sermon rips off 331 yards rushing on, what, 29 carries. Basically, that saved the day, saved the, big, the fourth straight Big Ten championship for Ohio State, and, of course, the single-game record he broke in that game belonged to Eddie George. And as I told Eddie, tweeted to Eddie or texted to Eddie after that game, you know, 25 years is a pretty good shelf life. For a, a record, and uh, you know he came on my he's on my podcast today to talk about that. he'll be my second guest of the day. first guest is going to be urban meyer urban Meyer's coaching record includes two of these last four big ten championships for Ohio State. He kind of puts that in perspective, kind of puts in perspective the final four queries you know, hey, how do you get invited onto the uh, college football playoff selection, <laughs> which I really never had a straight answer for him because I'm not really sure either I think you you get a notice in the mail, right, that you've been selected, kind of like jury duty.
4: Yeah, you and, have to you have to appear in Grapevine every week.
2: Yeah, and then he sizes up also the uh, the Clemson Ohio State matchup, and I'll give away one part right now. You know, without a doubt, Ohio State's going to the defense is going to be facing the best offense it's seen all year from a total perspective, and you know, other than Indiana, I would probably, I would definitely would agree with that. But uh, you do too, right?
4: Yeah, this is the one. You know. Look, we're at that point. There's no overhyping this matchup. If there are three powerhouse programs, which we've talked about before, and we talked about on Sunday uh, when the pairings came out, you know this is a, this is one of the actual true talent equated games. Uh, you know, Ryan Day's talked about that with Wisconsin in the past and Penn State, and and those teams within the Big Ten are certainly the, have been the closest to knocking them off and unseating them. But you know, this is a this is a legitimate battle with Clemson against a program that Ohio State hasn't been able to get over the hump against. Uh, And I think that that's added more intrigue to this matchup because they beat Alabama in the playoff and they've won a national championship that way. Clemson is still just looming out there as this, uh, you know, target that it's never been able to hit. And um, you have to be at your best if you're going to do it.
2: From Woody Hayes' final game, we all remember the punch back in uh, 1978, the Gator Bowl to – Braxton Miller's last game at quarterback for Ohio State, the uh, the Orange Bowl following the uh, 2013 season to the best-forgotten 31-0 to zero bushwhacking in uh, 2016 in the college football playoff semifinal uh, to uh, last year, you know, a game that, uh, and for all intents and purposes, uh, a lot of people think was taken away from Ohio State, robbed, and also Ohio State had a chance at to win, and it's very interesting that we fully expect Chris Olave to be back ready for this game after missing uh, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, uh, we do understand with COVID-19 uh, positive tests, uh, you know, Ryan Day's all but said that. But the bottom line is what a time for him to come back because he he remembers that final offensive play like everybody else does when he uh, slipped down trying to cut back and, and broke off his route. And and uh, uh, Justin Fields through what was a perfect post cut that uh, in essence was intercepted by Nolan Turner. It's pretty interesting. Nolan Turner's going to have to miss the first half of this game because he because of a inadvertent, uh, whatever you want to call it, head bump on, on in uh, Clemson's uh, ACC championship game win over Nor- over Notre Dame. But uh, a lot of things going on, a lot of, a lot of pieces into this game. We're going to get more into the, the real uh, intricate parts of the pieces of this game next week, awesome. But uh, it is cool to have – Uh, urban meyer come on from time to time to kind of put things in perspective you know obviously he's the what would you call him found more the founder than the host of the uh thursday night uh, weekend kickoff shows right uh here on uh, lettermanrow.com
4: he's uh he's like a ceo of that that show Um, producer but doesn't have to you know meddle with every single detail it just wouldn't exist without him.
2: Yeah. You know, maybe you wouldn't want him there every week, if you know what I'm saying, you know, because he is a stickler, that is for sure. But, uh, you know, it's really funny uh, to have him come on. And then uh, you, after that, we'll, you and I will have a little interlude, and we'll talk, uh, talk about my interview with uh, Eddie George. But, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's Urban Meyer talking about did the college football playoff get it right? Is Ohio State headed into its toughest test of the year? I mean, you know the answer to that. And a few more uh, subjects.
1: 18 plus.
2: And I'd like to welcome back in uh, Urban Meyer to the Tim May podcast. Uh, Urban, thanks for joining okay, me again, yeah. my man.
3: Uh, good to see you, Tim.
2: Yeah, nice seeing you, brother. I wanted to ask you straight up: uh, Did the college football playoff committee get it right?
3: I think they did. That's a four I had, and uh, I, you know, Tim, I keep asking, no one seems to answer. But what's the criteria to get on the committee? How much film experience have you had to get on the committee? Uh, but no one wants to, I, I, maybe maybe that's not interesting to people. It is to me, and I don't know what it is. And and uh, I, they're all great people. I'm not saying that. I'm just, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, you got a pretty big decision to make there. And in this kind of year, it really does come down to look test. And so the committee had to say in their mind that Notre Dame was a better looking team and a better better football team than texas a&m and cincinnati and i'm just curious how that went about
2: yeah you know uh as as i as i asked uh uh, dabble sweeney yesterday in one of the uh, zoom videos we got to do i said you know he kind of went with the blue bloods you know (laughs) i mean you you know, kind of like took themselves out of i mean you know in in I i would call clemson among the blue bloods now the nouveau blue but uh you know, when you step back, it is a pretty intriguing Final Four. You agree, though, don't you? From a standpoint of football tradition, history, and and you know, accomplishments this year.
3: Oh, well, sure, but it, it. I've always believed the inequity of scheduling is is something that people don't look at enough. You you know, there's uh, once we we the committee put us jumped us two spots in fourteen, and then two years in a row we didn't make it. Yeah, and I maybe thought we should, and you know, I just. Uh, you know, how, how they come up. I'm just really intrigued by it. I, I I was when I was coaching, but it was a little bit different then because everyone had the same number of games. You had interconference games, you had big wins, you know, you had more data to work with. Now this one was really a group of thirteen people who said this team's better than that team. And I I just am so intrigued by what's the, you know, expertise to make that decision because that's a I mean, imagine, you know, someone asking me or you to do something I've never watched film before. So what what am yeah. I watching?
2: Yeah. I mean, did they build this rocket correctly? Oh, I'm not sure. Punch the button. <laughs> uh, Urban. Honestly just won his four straight just won his four straight Big Ten championship. You were you were the head coach of two of those. Uh Should people sit back and really kind of like take stock of what they're enjoying if you're an Ohio State fan at this moment in time? This run that this uh, program is on, and it only seems to be going higher. The trajectory is up, but just how proud of you were you to watch that on Saturday? Obviously, it was a tough game, but how proud were you to watch that and be part and to know you're part of that historical run?
3: Well, you got to go back to the Jim Trussell era too, that he had a great run. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, you know this would be something for you and your staff but the dominance of the big Ten conference i'm sure is unprecedented you know when this isn't a four-year run this has been yeah. you know yeah we had uh you know in 2012 we went undefeated so we, and we beat you know won every we just couldn't win the championship so I, I count that as a championship we you know our players did everything they had, had nothing to do with what happened yeah. uh, and then you you know, you had a couple where, you know, Michigan State had a really good team at 13. We lost to Penn State in 16. But other than that, you know, you're looking at a really, really good run by Ohio State and Ryan Mays continuous. So, you know, I remember uh, after the game, I sent out something because my phone was blowing up about how bad the Buckeyes looked. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You just, you just, whenever you have a running back break some guys named Eddie George's record yeah. and you get measured for rings again, that is not a bad day. That's a great day.
2: Yeah, and you get a trophy on top of that. You know, I've got Eddie George coming on this podcast too this today just to just talk about having to, having to give up yet another spot on his mantle. You know, it's you know it's pretty. I told him twenty five years is a pretty good shelf life for any kind of record, though. You agree, right?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Eddie, I'll tell you, I got news. Eddie George, keep that right on your mantle. You know.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, last couple of things. Now I wanted, to, you know, I told you what I wanted to ask you about this too. I'm sitting there. And even my wife was screaming, run the ball, because it was obvious, you know, that the passing game wasn't clicking, you know, Chris Olave missing, uh, et cetera. Something wasn't right there, maybe even with Justin Fields and what he was seeing. But, oh, my goodness, they just kept cracking that egg. But, you know, but but Ryan and his staff seemed reluctant for a long time to just go to that just power running game, Nicholas petit Frere. And Wyatt Davis, you could just watch him. They were dominating uh, up front, along with those other guys, but especially those two. But why does it take coaches? You think sometimes explain this to people why it takes sometimes to, time sometime to pivot in games from what might not be working or the plan to just where you're crushing it.
3: Yeah, obviously, you know I've uh, been in those situations a bunch, of, so I, I've always been a maniac about balance. You know, I just I would yeah. you know I would I would. But you know, I, I always believed in you. Pound the if you you run the ball to set up the pass is the way I looked at. it. Now you yeah, have Dwayne Haskins, a little different story, um, and and Ryan Day. I think you know he's still a young head coach, and and but you know I, I think he is so like myself. You want to be balanced at the end of the day. That doesn't mean give up on the pass. You have excellent receivers that deserve the ball in their hand. You want the ball in their hand. You have yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in America. Uh, let him play a little bit. Yeah, I, I, so I. I, I'm much different about people that say, well, just run the darn ball. It's, it, it is that easy, but, but it's not that easy. Not when you have so many other hands to feed, I should say, on that on that team. Yeah. Does that come into play? Absolutely it comes into play. There's, like I said, a lot of hands to feed on that team, including a quarterback. And, and the last thing about this, here's a quarterback who I love this kid. You know, I don't know him that well, but I just got – so what he did for Ohio State during this uh, pandemic, his leadership – can you imagine if he was not a great leader? Yeah. Can you imagine if he was a selfish clown like, like some of these guys that he's not? And I don't know his family, but he must have an incredible family. So I, I have so much respect for this guy. And I'm sure in the back of his mind, Ryan wanted, you know, Justin to have a great day like we all do. And yeah. he, he did not have a great day uh, for whatever reason. And so they, they did what they had to do. The guy still ran for, they ran for 400 darn yards. So,
2: yeah. I was going to say, what what a day. Uh, did Indiana get screwed, in your opinion, uh, not getting to go to a New Year's Six game, probably the second-best team in the Big Ten?
3: Oh, I, uh, once again, I don't – who makes these decisions, man? That's yeah. what I wanna, That's all I care about. Please do a study on this. Please do it. Please do it and say, what's the criteria? So, once again, you pick the college football playoff, and then it seems they start picking other things as well. And I just – is the committee responsible for all the bowl games, too?
2: Yeah, or, they're responsible for the New Year's Six, yeah. The, all, all of the, the, the final four plus those
3: All I want to know is the criteria to get on. Yeah. You know, well, what's it's the arbitrary criteria? You,
2: yeah. It's arbitrary as you well know. You know, I mean, it's almost uh, – they can say what it is, but then they make up a reason for why they no, did I'm what not, they I'm did. not talking
3: about criteria yeah. to get in. I'm talking about criteria to be on that committee.
2: Oh, I got you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, what's uh, so so where do you what when they when they fill out the form, where do they put film study? Where do they put yeah. uh, experience evaluating talent, where they uh you know, or do they just you know, I just I'm, I'm amazed that no one dives into that.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we have in the past off and on, but it's like like they they want it well represented. I mean Condoleezza Rice was on it, you know, and obviously she did homework and stuff, but you know, it's just. It, it, what do you mean she it, did it's homework? It's almost like they want a well-rounded
3: committee. So when people go, what, what do you? It, it, what do you mean she did homework?
2: Oh no, she did her homework. I mean, she, you know, she. The way I understood it, she studied up on things. She read, read up on on, on teams so, so and things like you that. You
3: do. You do data analysis. You don't. Yeah. You can't. You can't watch video unless you know what you're watching. Yeah. So when you do look tests, data analysis doesn't give you look tests because that does not take in consideration who you played and who you're going against and you know, how good are their players when you watch the videotape. So yeah, I, once again, I think they're all great people. I look at, I look on the list. It's great. Uh, yeah. You have a bunch of ADs well-respected and all that. But when you talk about look test, this is too, this is very serious. When you start leaving teams out, you, you just said Indiana got left out of a new year six. Yeah. I'm curious why?
2: Yeah. No, yeah. That, that I mean, there's no, no one's giving a real answer for that. Hey, real quick though. That's what's interesting to me though, is everybody was so fast and hot to trot to get rid of the polls and, and then get move on from the BCS, but it's still a poll. I mean, it's still, like you said, it's 13 people voting when the, in the final analysis. Right. I
3: mean, so. Yeah. And I, I, also, I don't know if you saw a big new kickoff, but after talk, I talked to two very close colleagues and I recommend, uh, we expand the playoff. And it hurt me to say that because I'm a huge bowl guy. I love the bowl games. But yeah. I think in the next five years, Tim, I think you'll see players, all the elite players care about National Football League, college football playoff. You're going to see a bunch of kids opt out. Teams are saying we're not going to play. I know pandemic. But I'm just, you know, which breaks my heart because I'm such a traditionalist. But I, you have to expand the playoff. You have to somehow redo the bowl system because the most important people aren't going to play them.
2: Yeah. You're exactly right. Hey, let's say I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, the Big Ten looks like it's going to relax. Maybe the rule of 21 days maybe push it back to 17. The players in all sports have to sit out after they're found uh, a positive for COVID. Uh, is that the right direction for them to be going? And is it uh, maybe they should have moved this way a little bit earlier? Just what's your take on that before we go?
3: Well, I actually think Kevin Warren and the Big Ten, you know, they came out so rigid at first, but now you can see we're not going to play, not revisit it. Well, we revisited it. Uh, You know, we, we can't, you have to have six games to get in the Big Ten. You revisit it. This is the year of the asterisks. This is the year that changes every day. The most important thing we all agree is science and is it safe? If it is relax the rules, whatever's best for whom the player. And I, I commend them. I commend commissioner Warren and, and the, and the ADs for having the flexibility. Do you like Ohio State's chances against Clemson? What do you see there? Is that going to be a great game? What's your take? Well, I just – I think Trevor Lawrence is – my gosh, uh, he might be the best quarterback prospect to come out of – I, I really watched him. I can't get over how fast he is. You know, when I saw him up close, he's big. But the toughness and the leadership and how fast he is, you can't see it until you really see uh Justin Fields has got to be it's going to be one of those ones you know our our secondary is going to get challenged like they've never the problem we we played I hate to say this we played really bad teams this year you know we we played some offenses that when you watch film when you watch film that's some of the worst offenses I've seen in the Big Ten for whatever reason and Ohio State is going to face a real offense and they faced one this year Indiana was pretty good and they So I worry about our past defense, but I think Justin Fields, you know, he's just got him in the lobby and the boys have to have a great day.
2: Urban Meyer, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, man. You know I appreciate it.
3: Always, Tim. Thanks.
2: Yeah, Urban uh, pretty much lays it right out there. Awesome. As we talked about before the interview started there, uh, Ohio State with uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Travis Etienne, et cetera. Uh, the Clemson offense really seemed to be clicking the other night when it played Notre Dame, and it's going to be the the, the toughest all around test for this Ohio State defense.
4: Yeah, and I think you know we could take it uh, unit by unit and talk about all the challenges that are coming their way. We could probably do that more next week, but yeah. you know that's you know having a great running back and, and arguably, uh, well, you know for whatever you want to break down Lawrence first Fields, I. I've always wanted to build my team around Justin Fields if I had the choice, but you know, Trevor Lawrence will probably be the number one overall draft pick. Uh, you have a, an elite running back and a quarterback at that level, then you're gonna you're gonna have your hands full no matter what. So um, this will be the a big 10 11 days for Kerry Combs and uh, trying to get that secondary ready. It's been a work in progress, patchwork really throughout the whole year. Go out before the game on Saturday and you find out that Marcus Hooker. Ronnie Hickman and Bryson Shaw are all out at safety um, if that's the case uh, on January 1 which I, I don't expect that it will be but it, it could be uh, yeah and that's a huge deal because Trevor Lawrence you know that's that would be a huge order uh, to try and fill for the Buckeyes back there so
2: yeah uh, huge test yeah, I mean uh, Trevor Lawrence playing I mean playing like a mature quarterback he'll He'll throw a ball up for grabs every now and then. But, you know, as Ohio State found out last year, not only is he a competitor, not only is he a really good passer, but push come to shove, he can run too, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I, he can run almost with the best of them. I, I expect a similar game to what we saw last year. Like I said, we'll break that more down in next week's uh, podcast. But, you know, I've got another guest coming up here right now, uh, Eddie George, who uh, happened to see uh, yet another of his records. Huh go to the wayside on on Saturday when Trey Sermon, almost out of nowhere, I mean, he showed signs of it, let's put it that way, against Michigan State uh, without a doubt uh, rushing on 29 carries uh, to go over Eddie George's 314 yards uh, on 36 carries against Illinois in a big-time win back in 1995, really the performance that clinched, in my opinion, the Heisman Trophy for Eddie George in 1995, I I caught up with him again. And uh, just to talk about that and talk about sort of like what it's like to be in that zone, for an offense to be in that zone running the ball. You know, even Saturday, right, it was awesome to watch that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't around to uh, cover Eddie's incredible record-setting performance. Uh, So this – I've never seen anything quite like it from a running back, uh, in my entire career. I mean, uh, 331 yards. And I, I just, I think back Tim, to what would have happened if they had adjusted the offensive play calling earlier. Cause even yeah. then it was, you know, the first half, I, I think he was at, you know, six or seven yards a carry and he was oh, yeah. having a good game and you're like, oh, all right, well, why aren't they sticking with that? And I understand that, a lot of things are going on. You know, Ryan Day wanted to accomplish some things in the passing game. They had those trick plays built in. Maybe they were just overthinking it early. But you know, imagine he still wound up with plenty of rushing attempts. I'm not not saying that he didn't, but you know, yeah. Ted Moore, what could he have done? Because he was having the same success in the first half that he did in the second half, and Northwestern had no answer for it. I think they came in with a plan where they didn't want Justin Fields to beat them with his arm. Yeah, and it took like. Randy and Kevin Wilson and a half to be like, all right, well, I guess then we'll just run right down your throat until we're out of here.
2: Yeah, you know, you heard Urban just a while ago talk about that. I mean, uh, in the, the sense you, you know, you always want to go in and try to be balanced. You know, you want to, you don't want to put that much pressure on one part of your game or the other. And uh, he kind of understood that because I asked him, you know, why is it so tough for a for maybe a head coach or an offensive coordinator or the offensive staff to pivot? When it's obvious one thing isn't working and the other is, and you know, it's even my wife, like I said, was screaming at the television, you know, run the ball. I mean, <laughs> it was, it was clear that Nicholas Petit-Frere uh, and uh, Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten, Josh Myers, Harry Miller, and Thayer Munford were go were going off. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of times uh, when uh, when Trey Sermon got got stoned uh, at the liner you know, uh, maybe behind the line a couple of times. But, oh, my goodness, I mean, there were places to go. He had 196 yards after contact. He was truly lit. And, uh, like, I tweeted at one point in the game, you know, like after the 65-yard run, maybe he needs to take one of those all the way to the house so you don't get into the play calling anymore. (laughs) You know, know? because what came after some of those just boggled your mind until they finally just settled down and said, shove it into the end zone, right? Exactly. And, you know,
4: I'll say this because – if I'm going to be critical, it also should be fair, that uh, I've never done what they've had to do in terms of game planning and, and calling plays. And Urban Meyer is obviously uh, uh, much more in tune with that. But there's a lot going on. It's a championship game. Northwestern had, was obviously showing them looks that they weren't expecting. They had things that they wanted to accomplish, and they were also doing that without Chris Olave, which you know I think when you're trying to piece all this together, and he's a security blanket for the coaching staff as well as he is for Justin Fields, Sure. Sometimes you might need the clarity of halftime before, like, okay, well, what are we seeing and how do we adapt to that? And Ohio State, to their credit, they did that in the second half. They weren't perfect, but you also are entitled to have, you know, games that you don't play perfectly or or our job that, you know, you might have an off day sometimes. That's that's human nature, Um, but eventually they got it right and they did the things that they had to do in a championship setting.
2: Speaking of an on day, that's what Eddie George had back in 1995 on a cold day in Ohio Stadium against <laughs> Illinois, which had two top five first-round draft picks playing on that defensive side of the ball. And uh, I caught it with Eddie talk about, you know, losing yet another record, you know. <laughs> he, he lost the season record, uh, uh, rushing record, first to Ezekiel Elliott uh, and then, of course, uh, J.K. Dobbins had that over the 2,000-yard Almost quiet over two thousand yard rushing year last year. Yeah. think about it man we almost we almost forgot about that and uh, and uh, Eddie, as I said, you know uh, as I said one time, I said, uh, you know, you got to move those records off yourself and uh, as uh, as urban meyer said, no, Eddie should keep those up there, man those were major accomplishments. plus they were done in short shorter seasons. Let's give him some credit for that but uh, you know when when you're in the out formation, Everybody knows you're getting the ball, especially on a day like that day against Illinois and Ohio Stadium, and that's that was almost kind of the beginning of the end of that, of that classic eye tailback look for Ohio State. I mean, yeah, they ran they ran a lot more in Jim Trussell's era, uh, but not like it was uh, during the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Agreed.
4: Yeah, I mean, once you got to you know mid two thousands, Jim Trussell, then you're starting to get towards Terrell Pryor and, and shotgun looks and you know, just yeah. lining up and, and going, here we go. You got a quarterback's going to turn around, a fullback's going to block. Uh, Eddie, go do your thing. You know that those days, uh, those are long gone, really, from college football and especially at Ohio State. Uh, it's almost like uh, you know ancient history at this point. It feels like so cause just watching the way that this offense has re- progressed under Urban Meyer and now Ryan Day, and it's like yeah, almost a completely different language.
2: Yeah. But it's funny how running the ball still matters, and you're right. I mean, it was a different day back in 1995. Let's go with my interview with uh, Eddie George as he looks back on that and takes a, gives you a little synopsis of uh, Trey Sermon and, and Ohio State, this football team, uh, as he's kept up with it at his home down in Nashville. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, former Ohio State single-game rushing record holder, Eddie George joins the Tim May podcast. Eddie. Thanks for joining me again, man. And I would think uh, Saturday was sort of bittersweet because the Buckeyes won another Big Ten championship. You know, you got to uh, understand – I think you were traveling at the time, but you got to understand Trey Sermon was going off. But who knew he was going to go off like that? But what's it like to – as I told you as as I texted to you, 25 years is a pretty good shelf life on any record anymore, right? But uh, Hey, you
5: know what? I'll take it, especially in this day and age with, with wide open offenses. You know, you've seen a, a couple guys go over the 400-yard mark. So, at some point, you almost figured that it was going to happen. But 25 years is a hell of a run. Um, happened on an a amazing day for Trey. I know when I had my day, how I felt elated and disbelief. And just being a moment is just truly remarkable. So you had an amazing day. Um, you know, uh, for me at this point, I mean, a, a few of my records have been have been have been broken um, so yeah. far. You know, with the single season um, rushing record, uh, I was eclipsed by both Ezekiel and J.K. Dobbins in career. Yeah. So that was the last one, and hey, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I still posted three three fourteen, and um, it'll be ever forever be etched in Ohio State history. Just not number one, and that's okay,
2: dude. Uh, I remember that three fourteen like it happened five minutes ago. That's how old I am, and probably how narrow minded I am. But uh, you know, uh, three fourteen on thirty six carries. You know, I think what a couple of touchdowns. You had a sixty four yard run in there that actually. Uh, you know, I just – I think uh, Trey Sermon on Saturday had 196 yards after contact. i go, Eddie beat that on one run because he had – on a 64-yard run, you had 67 yards after contact. You got hit in the backfield yeah, and yeah, went up yeah, the left sideline, yeah. you know. Uh, you know what I mean, right on down the line. But that was a, that was the day when y'all were lined up in the I formation. Nicky yes, sir. Uh, every, it was like you had this big hit me uh, sign on your back because you were going to get the ball. Uh like uh, Trey Sermon on Saturday, uh, Terry Glenn was missing in that game, I do believe, because he's gotten hurt the week before, I think, at, at Minnesota. You know, of course, Ohio State was missing Chris Olave, and their passing game just went down, really kind of went down the toilet on Saturday but uh, without him. And Justin had some problems against that defense, Justin Fields mm-hmm. did. But uh, there were a lot of similarities, except for the fact that you were the weapon that day. What was it like, Eddie? And Trey went through this, too, a little bit on Saturday. But you knew that Illinois knew that you were the guy, and yet y'all y'all just kept throwing you at them and stuff. What, what did you summon that day that you remember?
5: Well, I knew when we came into the game, uh, given our history with Illinois, they boasted one of the top-ranked defenses versus the run. They had two um, first-round first pick. picks, top five picks yeah. on their defense and they pride themselves in stopping the run. Yeah. And we knew they knew it was going to be, we recall in practice nine on seven. And that means there was not going to be a passing game. It's going to be for grown men only in between the tackles, mano. Y mano. And Illinois, you know, you know my history with Illinois. They had I had the fumbles my freshman year. Yeah. Um they had our number, you know, uh for the most part, uh, they came in saying they had a lease on Ohio Stadium, very confident. We were ranked number two in the country at the time, so we felt disrespected. So we came in there about our business, and we knew it was going to be physical, and we knew it was going to be for 60 minutes. So my mindset was just on punishing. But that was it, was to punish whoever was in front of me with the white jersey on and to let them know it was going to be like that for 60 minutes because that's how they played the game.
2: Was there Was there a time in that game? I don't think I've ever even asked you this. You know, my two abiding memories about that game were number one that that the big run. I thought that was just you know you didn't lose your shoe. That's the only thing you missed out on. <laughs> like Keith did against Illinois back in uh, nineteen eighty four. Two hundred seventy four yards. That was the record at one point until you came yeah. along. Uh, five touchdowns. Boy, what a game that was. Uh was there a point in that game where you felt? No, I'm not going. I'm not going to throw it this far, but almost. Super, not superhuman, but you know what I mean. That this was your day. I mean, it was that it was rocking and rolling for you. I mean, was, what is that feeling was, like for a running back? It was extremely
5: cold that day, and the only time I felt the cold as was after the game. Um, it was like I could anticipate, I could see everything slowed down, um, and but, I mean, it certainly helped that Orlando Pace and Ricky Dudley and. Jamie Sumner and Juan Porter and um, uh, uh, the rest of our office of line, Goldston. Um, I'm missing somebody else too. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Daniels. Daniels, um, yeah. Yes. You know, uh, Lee Daniels. So – not Lee. Uh,
2: LaShawn Daniels. LaShawn Daniels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you um, forgot because well, this kid went to Iowa, but go ahead now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
5: uh, so – for me, it was – it was it was just playing with them and knowing that, man, this was – we were not going to be denied. And we were yeah. going to eat Iron Fist all day long. And we felt like at any point in time, Illinois was known for a play defensively to flip the game and change the momentum of the game. So we had to keep the pressure on them. Yeah. And uh, we could not let up and not give into the fact that, hey um, – We got them on the back of the hills. Uh, This game is over, so we can now relax. You cannot relax against that type of defense because they were notorious for flipping games with their defensive play and getting a turnover here or there.
2: But was there, like I said, though, was there a point in that game when you felt different? Mm -hmm. Felt, I don't know. Uh, Like I said, super. I mean, were you you just. I I have to be
5: honest with you, Tim. It was the beginning of the week it was like maybe that Wednesday or Thursday before the game that I left practice and I went to my, to my class and I felt this burst of energy. I was like, God, just feel this, this energy, like something big is going to happen. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, verbalize it. I just felt it. And I, it was so it was so overwhelming this emotion this energy that I couldn't sit in class for but ten minutes. I said I had to go. I was getting the notes later on. I had to go think. I had to walk, and I put my headphones on. It was snowing that day. I just walked back to my my apartment just to burn off that energy, and I kind of felt then it was something big. Something big was going to happen, and then the that day you know um, getting ready for the game I was in the doing my routine. Got in the hot tub. And I felt these lips kiss my forehead. And it what? was my high school coach, uh, Nikki Sullivan. And all he said was, have a good day, son. And I said, I knew it was going to be special then. I just didn't know in what capacity. So I guess it was the spirit leading me all the way up that week to that day, the course of the game, that something was going to happen. I was just in another world. I was in a completely different world.
2: Was Did you ever have that feeling – Uh, before or since, other than taking a stage as Othello? Go ahead
5: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Honestly, I haven't. Uh, I experienced it again uh, when I played in the NFL, but not to that magnitude because so much went into that game and the history and my own personal demons were being exercised that day and it came in full circle. So it was a lot deeper than that for me.
2: Did you leave the field that one of my endearing, I've told you this before, uh, one of my enduring uh, memories of that game also, and we got a picture of it, was you standing on the bench, whose house is this, whose yeah. house is this, waving your towel at the end. You you left no doubt, right? How, how great mm-hmm. did that feel to, to stand oh. there and do that?
5: And man, it felt it felt incredible. Illinois
2: um, was y'all's real Achilles, you know, when you think about it.
5: It. it was, it was. And again, it came in saying that, you know, it was their house, and we didn't take kindly to those words. And um that was that was me putting the stake in the ground. Like that's that's it. You know, now, yeah. now grand finale, you know, and it was
2: uh, a
5: long time coming for me.
2: Did you? you look back on it now, did you sense leaving the field that day, you were aware of the Heisman hype that was going on? You know, Mm -hmm. you had, you had maybe the, you you had Ohio state's greatest uh, left tackle of all time blocking for you and stuff. I mean, you know, you had Terry Glenn on that team uh, uh, Bobby Hoying, all these great players were on that team Vrabel on the other side, Finkus Luke fickle that stuff. But did you sense leaving the field that day? Hey, you know what? I may have just clinched this thing, man. I mean, cause everybody was even, uh, Musburger was talking about it on the telecast, you know, uh, Heisman moment, et cetera. Did you, did you sense you were the at least the front runner for it leaving the field that day? Well, going into that
5: game, uh, I remember that week, uh, Kirk Street was on the radio when he worked at the radio station, uh, got on the air and said, um, you know, Tommy Frazier is the front runner. Um, Danny Warfolds right there and the only other person maybe Eddie George and Danny War I mean and um Altree Darnalltree yeah. it's only Eddie George can win it he's going to have to do something ridiculous like average you know 170 yards game um and uh uh you know I was like I, was, I felt some type of way behind that but after the game i didn't think about it i was like yeah hey maybe i don't know i mean because it was tough to really f- figure out who did what during of course and the thing about winning the heisman or being up for it you can't go out and win it you got to stay within the team concept yeah. and i felt like if i do my job if i do my job extremely well then everything else will take care of itself
2: yeah well congratulations you went ahead and won it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't see it behind you there. You haven't, you have you don't use this doorstop, do you, or anything like that, like Pop Cassidy. No, nah, it's uh, actually
5: down in the, in the trophy case. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that's
2: where it's at. Did you know much? You know much about Trey Sermon? I know you keep up with Ohio State football to a certain well, extent. Well, I know Trey
5: transferred from Oklahoma, right. um, and uh, that's about it. I know he played there for. I don't know why he left. Um, but um, uh, he's a Buckeye now, and I know that we're extremely excited about having him here.
2: Yeah, guys guys leave now, Eddie. That's what they do. You know, Justin Fields mm-hmm. was at Georgia. <laughs> that was the all-transfer backfield on Saturday.
5: Yeah, uh, no, right.
2: But did you get to see any highlights or whatever? I mean, this was a kid that they were still had their kind of their doubts about middle of the year, and he just kind of hit his stride on Saturday, man. He was making moves. You know, he was – just smooth. I mean, it seemed like he just came in sync with his offensive line yep. and maybe vice versa and stuff. There is something to be said for that, right? Well, here's the thing. They've only played six
5: games. Yeah. They didn't really have a chance to get going. I mean, there was yeah. a lot of stop start. And as a running back, you know, it's hard to get in the rhythm with two running backs with somebody with you. Then it's even tougher when you don't have a game but a couple of months. So this has been a off year. So he really never had an opportunity to show what he can do outside of uh, uh, a training camp. So I think it's a matter of feeling comfortable with the locker room, with the guys in the locker room, uh, getting comfortable in your new environment, getting comfortable with the offensive line. And when he got going, God, man, I saw a few of his runs. I mean, he ran like a man among men. He ran like a man possessed. Now, that's how you tote the rock. <laughs> you don't play with it, you know, and he, and he definitely did it.
2: All right. Last two things. Uh, what do you think of Ohio State 6 0? They made the college football playoff. This is the strangest year of all time. I think yep. you agree with me on that. Yep. Is, I know you're going to say Ohio State's deserving, but how deserving is Ohio State to be in that top, in that final four, in your opinion?
5: It wasn't a question in my mind. I mean, it's that simple. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they've they, they, they persevered through a lot of the uncertainty of having a season, not having a season, to having a season again, to COVID issues, to missing ball games. And from a mental perspective, that's tough for 18-, 19-year-old kids to go through when you're used to um, structure and you're used to predictable uh, schedules and so forth. And um, for them to be 6-0, they, do they pass the eye test? In my opinion, Absolutely. So, in the atypical year when things should be fluid and nimble, and they have been for the most part, and nothing has been normal, who gives a damn? They should be in the top three, period. So, I mean, you can't tell me another team that's better. They, they met all the requirements. Uh, they won their six ball games, they won that Big Ten championship. They're in it. So, now let's see if they, they're deserving of a national championship.
2: You know, you happened to be in Phoenix last year, like I did. Uh, you were out there for a personal appearance and stuff. I remember, matter of fact, I saw you at Top Golf one night. Remember, walked up mm-hmm. behind you and said, "I've seen yeah. better swings on a playground." No, I'm just messing yeah. with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did say that. But uh, you and I both were on the same red eye coming back and stuff. That was a tough. They felt like the game was taken from them. There also was a chance for them to win that game, but now they're matched up against that same team. Not exactly, obviously, that same team. Neither one of these two are exactly the same teams. Uh, but my last question to you is how much can uh, revenge uh, maybe – I don't know if that's the right word uh, – motivate a team in a situation like it's going against Clemson for a second straight year, college football playoff semifinals? How much do you think that will play into this?
5: I think it's going to play a major factor into it. Um, those guys were hurting from that. I think they've been thinking about that game since last season. Um, There's definitely motivation going into this year. Um, that, that that game could have easily turned Ohio State's way, you know, if it weren't for a couple of key calls, um, the interception, a missed opportunity here or there. It was a fantastic ball game through and through. So I think Ohio State, um, they're seething at the bit to get, you know, some type of revenge, but not just revenge, but beat a team that's, that's hot and they're extremely well coached and they've been there. They have a championship pedigree. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this game, given how um, not normal it's been. You're they not going to have the normal schedule in terms of getting ready for three weeks and Christmas and that. they got to get ready to rock and roll, which is probably a good thing for them because they have some type of consistency to play against Clemson, so
2: um, I think it's going to be a major factor coming into this uh, matchup. Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie George, uh, actor, entrepreneur, former running back of Repute. Right, Eddie? Yes, like sir. Hey, I appreciate you joining the Tim May podcast again, man. You know, you're one of my favorites all the time. Maybe, maybe my favorite all time if I had to actually vote. <laughs> uh, well,
5: thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man.
2: Oh, yeah, man. See you down line. Merry Christmas.
5: Merry Christmas, brother.
2: Hey, man, it's always a pleasure having, as I told him there at the end of the interview, he is my probably my favorite. He and Orlando Pace are 1 and 1A or maybe 1A and 1B, whatever you want to call them. Uh, two of my favorite players of all time, and now you know why. I mean, Eddie, you know, a lot with a lot of things, I've told him I need to become his agent as an actor because I don't understand why The Rock has got such a big career, you know, from a movie standpoint. And Eddie still does, you know, he does. he's done Othello, he's done all these really stretch your limits kind of roles, et cetera, Chicago, but... Uh, Eddie should be an action figure somewhere, you know. (laughs) And uh, but uh, I really appreciate Eddie George coming on the show. Right? Awesome. He, I mean, he's always looked the part.
4: I hadn't really ever thought about why you know The Rock getting uh, these roles that might slip to Eddie George. I think he's he's never really called the spotlight onto himself the same way that The Rock did for so many years, standing in that uh, WWE ring and you know working crowds. I think that probably gave him a head start because Eddie, to me. Uh, you know, from an outside and not knowing him as well as you do, is like a more of a quiet, reserved guy that, you know, com- the complete opposite of The Rock that, you know, he, he wasn't – he was comfortable, of course, like being the guy for Ohio State and thriving, but it didn't really want to talk to you and tell you about it. Uh, so that that pro wrestling uh, background, you know, it wouldn't have suited him, I don't think, as well as it would have uh, Dwayne Johnson.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't call Eddie super quiet, but you're exactly right. He, you know, he wasn't so much beating his chest, but Eddie would never. Eddie never shied away from the spotlight. Let's put it that way. And and the way, like I said, he stepped in and uh, done these Broadway shows and things like that, uh, just shows how far he wants to stretch himself, you know, in, in his life. Quite quite the Renaissance man in all kinds of ways. But uh, real quick before we go, awesome. Um, it's going to be a strange situation in. Uh, the Sugar Bowl. I mean, yeah. you you could really have seen that being if if it wasn't a COVID nineteen year, half and half at least from a fan base standpoint, maybe more because these are Ohio State fans. You can sense they're at the bit to get back into a screaming match uh, with Clemson, et cetera. But uh, you know, it's it's really going to be weird to ha- have only what four, five, eight thousand, maybe not even that many fans in the stands, right, for a college football playoff semi.
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be three thousand um and. You know, you think uh, if every every player gets six tickets and coaching staff, um, so what Ohio State's allotment would be maybe 750 or 1,000. Uh, it It'll, I mean, yeah. watching the secondary ticket market is going to be absolutely wild because Ohio State fans, and I would bet that they snap up almost all of them. They, Clemson, is, their fan base has been able to go to some games this year, uh, you know, just for one, um, and we've seen in some other semifinal matchups for them that they've almost turned this into a, a birthright in their mind. And they, oh, I'm only going to save money for the national championship game. You know, Ohio State fans have wanted desperately this rematch. Uh, we all, you talked about it at the start of the, of the show, Tim, that, you know, yeah. what was taken away from them. You know, within the program, we know what that means to them. But even to the fan base, I mean, they, they've they had to sit there, deal with another loss to a program and a, and a coach who they've really grown to hate. Um, you know, Didn't get to go to any games all year. Uh, I think that they would – you know, they've all got money saved up that they would have spent to go to the Horseshoe or go to Indianapolis. Um, You know, it's – it's we understand why that cap is where it is. It's a little bit weird that it's, you know, go over one state and there's going to be 30,000 – I don't don't know. There's been 30,000 people at Cowboys games. Maybe it'll be 16,000 or so in Dallas. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been a New Orleans takeover. By Ohio State, and it would have been pretty cool to watch
2: and see. Absolutely. You know, and uh, you just brought it up about Dabo Sweeney. I mean, uh, not only did he campaign at Ohio State or a team that only played that many games, probably shouldn't be in consideration for the college football playoff. Oh my goodness, he voted Ohio State 11th, number 11, 1 1, in his uh, final. Well, I don't know if the final would come later, but his, his, his post regular season. Uh, coaches, a poll ballot. Crazy. Even Tom Herman voted Ohio State number three. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, Everybody uh, else had them at the lowest. Any other voter had them was sixth. Sixth. Exactly. So, uh, wow. I mean, that's just poking. Like I said to uh, Jim Harbaugh at the big 10 meetings last year, if you remember, you know, do you think it's good to be poking the bear? You know, (laughs) now with all that said, Bob Sweeney is 3-0 against Ohio State. So, uh, you know, you got to – if you want to be the champ, as the old saying goes, you got you to gotta beat the champ, right? And uh, that's what this matchup clearly is all about. You know, we saw that uh, Bogart had a video from the locker room of Ohio State of uh, Ryan Day expressing, expressing his emotion about what's coming. And uh, so I, I really – boy, you just wish everybody could be miked up between now and the end of that game on January the 1, late in the evening on January the 1. So you could just tune in every now and just hear what's going on, right? How would you have liked to have been uh, DeMario McCall
4: on Sunday evening about uh, 5 or 6 o'clock? Uh-oh. Who's calling me? Um, Yeah. Whoops. Uh, For those of you who have have wondered why I've talked about – maybe the decision-making and why some player doesn't factor in. Think about how much the coaching staff might trust those people uh, and then extrapolate from there and make your own
2: conclusions. But he was going, yeah. He was being caught. He was caught up in the moment, too. You can hear him in the background. So at least the message was getting through.
4: (laughs) I like how you could see people saying, like, hey, man, you probably need to turn this off.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he thought he did. But then that doesn't explain the next part, you know. (laughs) Posting. Posting's always the uh, key, you know, and something like that. Hey, awesome. We're going to be back next week, man, to chop this up a little bit more. And I'm going to hopefully have a a fella who the last time Ohio State played in the Sugar Bowl in a playoff game, this guy came up huge, huge. Evan Spencer, one of our friends uh, of Letterman Row, et cetera. We're going to try to have him on next week along with you and I chopping up this game that promises to be memorable one way or the other, right?
4: Yeah, and, and look, you could make a, an incredibly long list of guys who stepped up and delivered in that 2014 Sugar Bowl to make it so incredible. Um, you know, Evan Spencer, the list is long for what he did with the throw, uh, the block on the 85-yard run by Zeke. Yeah. Uh, covering the onside kick. I mean, he did things that you go through that game, and, and that's why – you know, your first guest today, Urban Meyer, used to talk about get make sure your program has an Evan Spencer, a, a glue guy who will do whatever you need. You know, that mantle became Terry McLaurin, and you know, on down the road, Chris Olave now maybe uh, fits yeah. that bill doing special team stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was it. That'll be really cool to get more memories of that 2014 game, that last trip to New Orleans for the Buckeyes. It was that was a special, special night.
2: And also, like you touched on, this is a game where you. Everybody has to step up. You have to step up. That was by far, in my opinion, Evan Spencer's greatest game from a total standpoint yeah. and a signature game for him. He had as much to do with that win as anybody else. Uh, and you know, uh, from, uh, Cardell Jones, uh, to Devin Smith, right on down the line, this guy Zeke Elliott, this guy stepped up in his own way and was a difference maker. And that's what Ryan Day is going to be trying to summon, uh, his troops over the next several weeks. Hey, real quick, uh, do, you know, as we, vid, as we record this on a Monday, uh, the Big Ten has not yet come out with that reducing the uh, COVID protocol days from twenty-one. Yeah. to what I was told was going to be 17. We do anticipate that, though, right? Still
4: 17 is my expectation. That would be applying to all sports. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the Big Ten got some pressure from playoff because that's, you know, the college football playoff was going to take the Big Ten protocol and Ohio State needing to do that. Uh, but also, you know, you have basketball moving forward, anything that's going to be played in the spring. You yeah. know, they had to take a look at that because 21 was so far out of whack. You know, it was already more extreme, uh, even though we know that the, not all of it is about isolation and quarantining. It's reacclimating hard stuff. But uh, at least yeah. at least four days of that it being chopped off, to try and get closer to the CDC recommendations. They're still not the same as what every other league is using, but it is an improvement.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, but you know, the more you've gotten into this, man, I think it is, has been prudent for the most part to to err on the side of caution. I mean, I really do truly believe that. And, uh, and I, I'm not giving the big 10 over, over the top (laughs) kudos because you know where we all stand. We've had, we've had shows about that ad nauseum, but, uh, uh, it, they're, they're going to be getting this right. And they were talking about this for a couple of several weeks, the way I understand it. And, uh, cause you know, you saw some people taking shots at this is yet again, another way they're placating Ohio state. You know, they were, there were other people complaining about this rule other than Ohio state complaining, meaning 21's too much. Yeah. Uh, 17 may be too much, but it beats the heck out of 21. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to go overboard, you know, praising the big 10, uh, for
4: making that move, but, you know, but you had Kevin
2: I, Warren. You, you got an exclusive interview with Kevin Warren at the end of the week last week and told you this kind of thing was probably coming. And, you know, so at this show, all these things that weren't going to be revisited were revisited.
4: Yeah, and, I, and I, that's that was my, my point, that I, I think they can't – there's no question that they got things wrong. I have not changed my mind about that, and I won't. But, you know, the things that they did initially, and especially some of the wording that – it will not be revisited. There will not be any discussion. That's not any way to do business. That's not any yeah. way to run this league because the circumstances change. And they put out rules with the tiebreaker specifically that didn't make any sense when you put it into practice. And I don't know you know, how or why or, or the intentions. It doesn't That doesn't matter. But they got it correct there. Okay, the circumstances have changed with the CDC for the quarantine and isolation. Recognize that and don't be set in your ways or try to say that you're smarter than everybody else sit down have a conversation make a move and go on that's the only way any of us can get through this for any line of work anything day to day yeah sit down make a plan and if you have to change your plan do that so initially the big 10 was too slow uh too overreactionary in in august uh too stubborn maybe for most of september okay it's it's year 1 okay Kevin Warren's figuring out how this works. He's going to probably get better at it. This year is about learning and growing. Uh, does he? So I know people, that's not going to appease everybody, and I get it. And I'm not saying that he's going to be perfect or forever for that job. But at least there's some signs of growth at the
2: end of year one. But they have shown that if you're going to draw a line, draw a line in the sand, you know why? Because you can take your foot and erase it and then draw another line. <laughs> You know, and they did do that. They've drawn lines in the sand, uh, and we are where we are at this point. Ohio State, a hook or crook, whatever you want to call it, is in the college football playoff, just like we thought Ohio State would be. It's playing Clemson, just like we thought Clemson would be in it. Yep. Uh, Alabama is in it, just like we always thought before the season started. Notre Dame, who saw that coming? I did not, but they're in it. Uh, you've got, you know, like I, like I told uh, – like I asked devil Sweeney the other day this really is a matchup of of uh, royalty when it comes to current day and post and pre you know prehistoric uh man I'm really screwing that up this is a matchup of current day uh, of big time pl- uh, programs elite programs yeah. and the uh traditional programs it's actually in my opinion quite compelling I can't wait I wish it was this weekend well we we'll back ladies and gentlemen to, to uh, as I said chop up the uh Ohio State, Clemson, um, what are you going to call it, rematch? Should we call it rematch? Awesome.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a – like I said uh, on Sunday. Yeah, re in front call, of it. You don't yeah. want to call it the revenge tour because somebody already took that and butchered it. But yeah. this, this is certainly
2: looking for, uh, you know, some sweet revenge. Speaking of drawing lines in the sand, that didn't that didn't last very long, that revenge tour. But uh, <laughs> I digress. But you know what? Until next week, I'll get my stammering self out of here. Uh, for Awesome Ward, my sous-chef, when we do these chop-ups. And for Letterman Row, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're – First, $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit fanduel.com/on3
1: and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.